You're listening to Entrepreneurial Outlaws, a podcast for creatives, introverts, empaths, and spiritual folks who want to grow a sustainable and impactful business on their own terms. We're here to meet you at the intersection of strategy, spirituality, and self-inquiry so that we can create our own versions of success and grow businesses that serve our personal goals and creativity just as much as it serves our audiences. Together, we are paving the way for a new normal in online business, one that allows you to lean into what makes you and your business unique. And I'm your host, Melanie Knights, storyteller and outlaw mentor with a nose for the bullshit. I'm here to help you unpack the bro marketing strategies and entrepreneurial myths that lead us to overthink our business decisions because overthinking is a feminist issue. The antidote, your intuition. So get ready as each week we have the messy, honest, and transparent conversations about entrepreneurship, the kind that's missing from the highlight reels of our social media feeds. We're uncovering the real stories behind what it takes to run a sustainable online business on your own terms, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Ready to break the rules and become an entrepreneurial outlaw? Let's do this. Hey there, beautiful outlaws. Welcome to today's episode. I am really looking forward to continuing our conversation around slow business. And in today's episode, I am going to be exploring and potentially answering the question, (laughs) how do we make a slow business that is sustainable, right? So how do we build and grow and run a business that is both slow and sustainable, And I think this is really important because we associate making money with hard work. And I'm not talking about somebody having a good work ethic. I 100% value that in people. I don't know what that says about me, but that's something that I do believe is important. But I don't think your work ethic, in my eyes, relates to how many hours you work. And I think that's a really important distinction to make because if you had asked me five years ago, 10 years ago, I would have absolutely glorified hard work. I have always been a hard worker, but I've also found that there are seasons of my life, and I'm thinking back to when I was in high school, where I just kind of did my best. Now, that's all any of us can ever do, but I did it in a way that I wasn't putting pressure on myself. I wasn't forcing myself to study at all hours of the day. And to give you some context, when I was 16, my dad was critically ill. I mean, he was, he was terminally ill. And even though perhaps at the time, I didn't really see that or fully understand what that meant in terms of timelines in terms of length of time that I maybe had with him. What I do remember about that time, so here in the UK at 16, we take our GCSEs, which is our version of, I guess, the SATs. And they are the big exams that we've been basically (laughs) 
from the moment you step into high school, that's what you're working towards. And for two years, you are learning, well, back then, I don't know what happens now, you were learning specific topics that you had chosen. So you choose what you want to study and you would be working towards those grades. Now, I was never a straight A student. That was never, I was always average in terms of my grades. I was a, you know, B student for some subjects, a C. There would be some things I really didn't enjoy. Maybe I would get a D on those. But for the most part, I was doing okay. I was never really one to strive for anything more than that. I was okay with where I was. Now, when I was 16, life was kind of being turned up on its head for me. And I was both aware and unaware of this. You know, I was very aware of what was going on, but also didn't realize, as I said, perhaps the impending time frame of, of what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know that within a few months, I would be losing somebody who I was very close to and, you know, who had helped raise me, who had really been spent a lot of time with me as a child and had kind of formed those, those early years. And so when I look back at that, what I realize is that I really didn't study that hard for my exams. You know, there were people who I knew who were straight A students and they had to study really hard. And there were some of them who loved studying or it seemed to just really be easy for them. And then there were the people who seemingly just didn't really give a shit. And then there was kind of me in the middle, like, well, I do care, but this is way more fucking important. And I will still stand by that. <laughs> like, it was way more important for me to manage my mental health. I did not know that's what I was doing at the age of 16, but that's essentially what was going on. And I kind of, you know, got through my exams and I got B's and C's. That was, that was what I got. And I was like, you know what? I'm all right with that. That's fine. That's kind of where I expected to be. But at the same time, in the same breath, I knew that people appreciated hard work. I knew that that was something that the world wanted from me. And when I started, you know, working part-time when I was a teenager and I had that kind of Saturday job or that weekend job, and when I continued kind of going through those career steps, that was when it became really clear to me that not only did people expect me to work hard, people expected me to like give up a lot. For a very low paid job, people expected the fucking world. People wanted me to just drop everything my entire life to be available. Now, personally, I always struggled with that. Even when I was like 17, 18, I really found that hard that I would get a call on a Friday from my employer and be like, you need to work on Sunday. It was never a question. It was never a, do you have plans? There was never any conversation. It was like, you need to work. And I always hated that feeling because for me, 
it wasn't even whether I was doing something. It was just the lack of conversation, the lack of thought that seemed to go into these things. Now, as I got older, I realized that oftentimes this is unfortunately the way that corporate environment is. And so very quickly, once I started working full time and I started working full time around the age of 18, I actually dropped out of college, started working full time. Um, I just decided that was the move I was going to make. And I don't really regret it. I don't think I would have, I would had no intention to go to university. And so what I found very quickly was that I was very resistant to the bullshit that goes on in corporate employment. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it happens everywhere because I have not worked everywhere, but this has been my experience the experience that there's like games being played, that you have to basically, you know, if you want to move up in the world, you have to be willing to just drop everything. And I would, I had a lot of jobs over probably a period of, I guess, 10 years, maybe. Yeah, maybe around 10 years, maybe less than that. But I spent a lot of time trying to find a new job, new role, the role that was going to really suit me. And there was a couple of times where I really felt like I'd found it. And then very quickly, that kind of honeymoon period of the role would wear off. And all of a sudden, I'd realize it was the same thing. It was just the same bullshit, a different place. And I blamed myself for a lot of this. I was like, this is a me thing. I'm the commonality here. I'm the thing that's going to each of these places and struggling. And I was like, for a long time, I told myself that this was my fault. I needed to change who I was. And, you know, maybe there were parts of me that needed to evolve and, you know, work on myself. And that's something obviously I've done over the years. But there was also a lot of it that is ingrained in the employment culture and in hustle culture, right? These two things go hand in hand. And so when I left my corporate career and took my business full time back in 2016, I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to be leaving all this bullshit behind. And then really quickly, I noticed that the same bullshit was following me around. And not only was it in the messaging that I was seeing online, but it was also me. I was telling myself the same stories. I believed that if I worked harder than everybody else, I would be successful. And it took me a while to realize that that wasn't the way online business or entrepreneurship works. Yes, inevitably, we need to, quote, do the work. Yes, we need to show up. Yes, we put effort into the things we do. But I think more and more of us are looking for ways in which we can build a sustainable business, right? Something that is going to sustain pandemics and any cash flow problems and that we can work through those without us having to trade our personal life, our energy, our health for it. Because I've traded a lot of those things. I've traded my mental health, my physical health. I've traded way too much time for things that were not even necessary. I was thinking the other day about when I used to spend so much money and time and energy on Facebook advertising or on advertising in general, really not understanding what I was doing, but constantly being told that was where I should be putting my time. 
I didn't even have a consistent product or a consistent community of people who wanted to hear from me. And there were so many things that seemed to be the fix, like the the thing that were going to solve all my problems. And they weren't. And they were, you know, came at a price. And it doesn't surprise me that now when you Google about slow business, that what you find are a few really great blogs, but a lot of the conversation is how to fix your business because it's slow. Because the assumption is that if you are a slow business, well, then you are not making money. And I am here to tell you that is not the case. I am here to tell you that having a slow business, choosing to build, grow, run, whatever you want to call it, a slow business does not mean that there is a problem. It doesn't mean that something needs to be fixed and it can be sustainable. Now, I do not have all the answers. I can only tell you from my own experience what I have both done in my own business, what I've also found to work. And the things that, or the conversations I should say, or the times that my self-doubt has spoken up and been really loud. I can tell you those things because those are things I've experienced. And I want to start by just talking about the word sustainability, okay? Because we hear it all the time. We hear it in relation to, more often we hear it in relation to the environment and in relation to physical products and things that we're using. Now, sustainability as a definition, it is the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level, right? The ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level. So when I talk about a sustainable business, I'm talking about running a business that you are able to maintain. And I like to think of this of choosing, making choices in our business that can be maintained even if we get sick, can be maintained even if we take a vacation. They can be maintained even if we want a day off. Because we're human and those things are important and we can do this in a number of ways. We can maintain a certain level or a certain rate in our businesses without having to be on all the time, right? Without having to be doing, 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 without having to be visible, without having to be on the phone. Now, again, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the things I've done in my business, some of the ways in which I've shifted my business and evolved my business so that I can have this sustainable and slow business. It does not mean that these are the things that you have to do. It doesn't mean that this is the only way to do it. I want to give that preface (laughs) to all of this. But these are the things that I've experienced. So how do you make a slow business sustainable? How do you do it in a practical way? Well, the thing is, a slow business doesn't always mean that you're working less. It means that you're working on the things that you are probably really passionate about, the things that are going to move your business in the direction you want to go. To me, that's what it means to have a slow business. It doesn't mean that you are only working a four-hour work week because, oh my God, that that in itself is not transparent. But you can. You absolutely can. 
But I think it's really, really unrealistic. In fact, I think it's just a lie for somebody to sit here and say, you can just work four hours a week and have a sustainable business. Can you? Absolutely. Do I? No. Do I want to only work four hours a week? Sometimes. But I think these are the conversations that we need to have with ourselves. And it starts by understanding what does that mean for us? So what does it mean for you to run a slow business? What is sustainable for you? How much money do you need to be making in order to be sustainable? And these are conversations only you can have. They're not things, I can't come over and prescribe it. It's a case of what works for you, what stage you're at in your life and in your business and what you're willing to give or do to grow your business. The resources you already have behind you will also be a huge factor. Whether you're working full-time or part-time or freelancing, the kind of business model you want, all these things need to be considered when it comes to building a sustainable and slow business. So one of the things I do want to mention is multiple streams of income. And I'm not talking, (laughs) I'm not talking about having a group program and a one-on-one program and then a product and then this and then that. I'm not talking about building suddenly a product suite and having 5,000 different things that you're selling. Again, want to do that? Absolutely cool. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about considering the ways in which you bring income into your business. And the reason I want to start here is because this is something that my ego used to get in the way of frequently. A few years ago, I'd been in online business for a while. I was not sustainable. I was not making the money I wanted. I was struggling and I was so fed up with myself, but my ego would not let, it would just not leave me alone because I saw that if I went and got a job, I could not get over the fact that it felt like I was failing. It felt like I was giving up because what we see is this narrative that if you have a part-time job or a full-time job and you are employed, the, the, the narrative is that we always want to be getting rid of that job. The narrative is that we want to quit that. We don't want to be a side hustle. We want to take our business full-time. It's no different to this narrative of retiring our partners. My husband does not want to be retired. So like, let's just squash some of these narratives right now. And let's remember that bringing in a sustainable income from somewhere else, from another source, is not failing. It does not mean that you have to give up on your business. It does not mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that it didn't work. But I'm here to tell you that there is there is something to be said for having a sustainable income outside of your business. There is, a, there is something to be said in the safety and the the comfortability of having that income. And you get to decide how that looks, right? So full transparency in 2021, in spring of 2021, I was out there looking for a job. There was so many, at least where I live, (laughs) there were a lot of marketing roles around. And this was what was really interesting to me is because actually built a lot of my confidence up. But just by looking at these positions, I was like, 
this is really interesting because this is basically what I've done in my business for the last three or four years. This is how I ran my agency in 2020. These are the tasks that I do. I can do all of these things, but there's a massive difference in income or the expectation is different. And so this was really, really helpful for me in a number of ways because it helped me to see what was available. It helped me to look at maybe there is a job role out there, an employed role that maybe they'll let me work part-time. Maybe they'll let me do it this way. And also realizing that I had a lot of skills that I wasn't considering when I was looking at my business. Things that we just take for granted because we do them all the time as part of our job. So this really helped me to look at the most important parts of my business. It helped me to really whittle down what I wanted from a sustainable income. So if I was going to do something outside of my business, you know, outside of selling books and journals and outside of pen palling and being creative, what kind of income was I looking for? And what kind of time did I have to give that? And I wanted to be really clear with myself so that I wasn't just accepting anything, that I wasn't going to get sucked into a position that left me feeling really, really burnt out really quickly. And I was really fortunate to find a freelancing role with a marketing agency that allowed me to use a huge range of skills on a regular basis that allowed me to have different experiences with different types of businesses. But it also allowed me to really take hold of certain tasks and make them my own. It allowed me to show off my skills. It allowed me the time to still run my business and it allowed me to do it in a way where I didn't feel like I was burnt out. And from the moment I took that position on, I have continued to say to myself, every three months, I will check in with myself. Am I still enjoying this? Am I still enjoying this? The goal is always going to be for me to hopefully get to the point where I can match my income and I can be in a really sustainable position with my own business. But for me right now, in the position I'm in, in the, in the, in the, the way the world is and the way I'm running my business and the amount of time and energy I have, this is what works for me. And I want to normalize figuring out what works for you. I want to normalize being allowed, being able to take on multiple streams of income. And the reason I I want to normalize this is because you don't have to fucking advertise everything in your business. (laughs) You do not have to have a marketing plan for everything that you want to do. I have never once marketed, I never marketed my agency in 2020. All of that came through word of mouth. I'm not saying that was ideal, but that's the way it was. Now, I didn't market myself as a freelance marketer. That's not where my business is going, but it was still something that I knew I could do really well and that I could support other people with. So multiple streams of income doesn't have to look a certain way. 
You do not have to have multiple streams of income coming from your business. You can do it in a way that is comfortable for you. There is nothing wrong with being comfortable, right? We, we've weaponized comfort zones, but sometimes we need those. In the state of the world right now, sometimes our comfort zone is the best place we can be. So you can combine business models, right? You can look outside for different streams of income. You can combine business models. You can be more than one thing and that is okay. The next thing you need to really think about to be sustainable as a slow business is looking at your time. Again, because oftentimes a slow business in slow business, we're looking at navigating and moving through things at a certain rate or level, something that can be maintained. Now, we can't maintain hustle for long periods of time. We know that. So if we want to maintain a level that's going to be slow and sustainable, things like considering where you're marketing. Are you marketing on a platform that allows you to maintain that rate or level of energy or growth, right? So if you feel constantly overwhelmed and constantly like you're in this position of having to create, is there another platform, another way that you could do this that would match where you are, right? Instead of you needing to match the energy or the expectation of a platform, what about if there's a platform that is going to match where you are? right? It's going to actually come to you. It's going to meet you where you are. This is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. I actually sat down last night and recorded an episode with our guest for next month. And her and I were talking about just this. And I said, for me right now in my business, I am in this stage where I am now looking at my marketing with like really big magnifying glass. I have kind of stripped back everything. And I'm looking at what is most important to me? How do I want to market my business? What would feel really good and match where I'm at? I don't have a massive audience on any platform, right? We've talked about small audiences before. I think it was episode number six, I think. We will link to it in the show notes. And I've talked about slower audience, slow audiences, (laughs) small audiences before in the past and how amazing it can be to have a small community. My community, you guys don't let me down ever. Like, and I mean this in the sense of I'm always so inspired by what you all are doing. I'm always so inspired by the conversations. I'm always so grateful for comments and engagement and these ways in which we connect and communicate, because to me, those are really important. So if those things are really important to me, that needs to come back through my marketing. That needs to come back through the way in which I show up online. And this is something, as I said, I've spent a lot of time just recently thinking about. Because for me, the reason I keep going back to Instagram time and time again, even though I'm like, why? Why do I need to be here? Why do I feel this pull? Because I love having conversations with people. I'm a talker. That's why we're here. (laughs) I will talk. So for me, missing out on that connection and communication and conversation and community aspect, I would feel lost. And so I'm looking at ways in which I can build that into my business, ways in which I can maintain that and make it sustainable, both in ways where I'm 
investing for myself, ways in which people can invest into my business and ways in which I can do it for free. It's okay to look at business in that way. It's not unethical to look at how can I invest? How can I ask people to invest in me? It's not unethical to make money. That's not even the issue. So it's okay to really look at your marketing under that microscope and read, that was the word I was looking for earlier, not magnifying glass. It's okay to look at it under a microscope and to really dig into what does this look like for me? It's also okay to really think about finding a community, a community that you trust, or maybe there's a peer or, you know, a a biz bestie, someone who you can really trust, right? So when you are moving into this phase of slow business, someone who you can trust, a place where you can connect with people to come back to that. There's going to be times when the self-doubt is really loud. I frequently have to acknowledge and engage with my self-doubt. I have to speak to her and talk to her and get her to understand that we are not lazy. That is not what's happening here. That it is okay to move slower than other people. That it is okay to have small numbers. It's okay to sell 10 books. It's okay to do these things and do them in small ways and in small numbers and do it slowly. It doesn't mean it's always going to look that way. It doesn't mean that it's always going to stay that way. But what it really is about is finding that path finding that way that you can maintain your energy, your resources. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest that when you Google slow business, those blogs that I mentioned, they're from 2020 and 2021. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest because for most of us, it took the last two years to realize, to question things, to realize that, oh, yes, they're the way they've always been done, but that doesn't mean I have to do it that way. It's when I started speaking up. It's when we found that there were other ways of doing things and really trusted ourselves and trusted that there are other ways of doing things and that we can do things on our own terms. The other things that we need to think about in terms of building a sustainable business, and these things are challenging, (laughs) is creating more space. I think that's really important, creating space in our businesses, space for us to plan, space for us to react, space for us to make decisions, for us to embrace other passions to figure out what works, to evaluate, to self-audit, and also space for us to test different things, test out the length of a launch, for example. We've talked about launching here on the podcast before, and I've mentioned that one of the best things I've ever done in my business was lengthening my launches. 
And for the longest time, I was terrified. I didn't think it was possible. I was like, everyone's going to get really fed up with me. Everyone's going to think that I'm going on about this for far too long. But here's the thing. I'm not just lengthening my launch. I'm slowing down my launch. It is a slow launch. A slow and sustainable launch. It's sustainable because I can maintain my energy. I'm not burning out day three. I'm not burning out before we even open the doors or the car or whatever you want to call it. My energy is maintained from talking about my product or my offer or whatever it is I'm doing all the way through. I don't need two weeks off after a launch. I don't need two weeks off after a launch. And I only have just realized that (laughs) because prior to 2020, I was still coming up against these short launches. I even tried to do even shorter launches, like five days, because if we know there's like that, that middle of a launch where everyone goes quiet and nobody buys from us, well, let's just get rid of that entirely. That was the narrative, right? Um, It works for some people, especially people who have a really big audience. But if you have a slow, if you have a small audience, that's what I'm trying to say. If you have a small audience or an audience of people, a community of people who have other things going on in their life, you're not the only thing that they're thinking about. It's okay to extend that period of time that you promote and to slow down as you do it. And I think that's key because you could lengthen your launch and still go at it 100 miles an hour. Well, you're going to be miserable within a few days. You're not going to be able to sustain that. But if you can slow down and really have trust in yourself that you know how to do this, that you know how to talk about this thing and that you can go through this launch period sustainably you are going to feel so much better when you come out the other side. And I think that's really important. It doesn't mean you're going to have the most successful launch in history. It doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly triple the amount of money you make. I can't guarantee any of those things. Those things have nothing to do with the length of your launch, by the way. But what I'm bothered about is you. Yes, your income is really important. Yes, that stuff matters. But that has nothing to do with the length of your launch right? And I would bet money, (laughs) I would put money on it, that if we're struggling with our launches, we're struggling with selling something in our business, slowing down will help us. Why? Because when we constantly head into a launch or promotional period with this urgency and this sense of fear about making money, which is very real. I have been there so many times. But when we go into these launches with that, it's really obvious to our our communities. It's really obvious to people. And if it's the only thing on our mind as the content creator, as the marketer, as the business owner, it overwhelms us it's the only thing we're thinking about is how desperate we are to make money. That's really tough on us. 
And what inevitably ends up happening is we burn out really, really quickly. And then because of that, we get the result that we didn't want, which could be that we don't sell enough or that we don't have enough new clients. And this comes back to why being able to figure out multiple streams of income for yourself and your business, if you are in that position, is really important. Looking for something that's going to help you to feel a little bit safer in your business. Because I think right now, most of us want to feel that safety. And if our income and our business is this additional kind of pressure, that's really tough because we lose that passion. And so by being able to slow down and really think about what we need from each layer of our business, really think about what a slow business means for us, to really think about what is sustainable and what kind of income is going to help us sustain our growth, we see very different results. Because when we're listening to everybody else around us about what we should be doing, we're not listening to what's inside of us, our intuition, that's telling us, that's pulling us, that's reminding us. We're going outside of ourselves. And when we do that, we lose. We we, we lose. Our audience lose. We lose. We lose that part of us that started the business in the first place. So, as I said at the beginning of this episode, these are my experiences of running a slow business. I shared with you last week that I didn't wake up one day and be like, I'm going to run a slow business. It happened. I knew that I wanted to slow down, but I think I was just telling myself that. And then when it happened, when I was kind of thrown into this place where I had no choice... I looked for something that could help me feel a little bit more comfortable, feel safer. I looked for opportunities. I I literally went out looking for opportunities. I say out, Google, online, Instagram. I went out looking for opportunities. Not every single one of them was ideal. Many of them, I was like, absolutely not. But I knew that I could find something that would help me to continue running my business in a way that felt really good. And I think this is one of the the biggest struggles that we come up against as entrepreneurs who are looking to build ethical businesses, who are looking to build businesses that are, you know, challenging the status quo of online business. Because when you're looking to create things that are, for example, affordable in, in a way where we still want our time to be paid for, that can be really hard when you want to make sure that you're making an income, but you also want to make sure that people can afford what you're offering because you believe, just like I do, that coaching and the ability to get results should not be saved for a $10,000 price tag. That's where we have to start thinking outside of the box because we know that we need numbers to be able to 
make a sustainable income from something that's, let's say, is is less than $30 a month or less than $30 as, as a unit. The math does add up sometimes, right? We can see that, yeah, okay, if I sold 10 of these a day, I would make this much money. That's great on the surface, but we need to also remember, and this is what sometimes is missing from these conversations, that that means you've got to find X amount of people every single week. So if you want to sell 10 products every day, you've got to find 70 new people every single week. And we all know that finding 70 new people to buy our product when you're starting out or you have a small community isn't easy. There's no sugarcoating it. It's not easy. So it's really about uncovering your path, your journey to building a sustainable and slow business, a business that allows you to rest, allows you to take time off, allows you to embrace your passions and do the things that you love. Take a Friday off, go out, go on holiday. I don't know, whatever it is that you want to be doing, right? To live your life in a way that feels really amazing. And having a business that provides for that. So, I hope that today's episode has has given you some kind of ideas and ways to think about things a little bit differently. We're going to definitely be continuing this conversation. Next week, we're going to be looking at planning because if slow business is about really slowing the pace and it's reactive, I want to explore how do we plan ahead, right? Because you'll know I love a planner. I just published a planner and I do plan ahead. And there are ways in which you can do that. So we're going to get into that next week. So we're going to be talking about slow business and how to plan and strategize in a slow business, because I feel like that's like an oxymoron, right? It's really, these two things almost shouldn't go together, but they can in this really beautiful way. So we're going to get into that next week. So stick around. So thank you so much for joining me again for this week's episode as we dive into slow business and really explore all of its yumminess. Um, I wanted to mention again that if you are really looking to embrace slow business in 2022, and I really find it hard to say that for some reason, 2022, if you're really looking to embrace that this year, wanting to slow down in your business and even in your life and really nurture and nourish the parts of you that have maybe got a little bit lost in the last couple of years, or maybe even more than the last couple of years, and you want to embrace the side of you that is going to help you to really step into who you are as a business owner, into knowing what you need from your business, then I encourage you to download my free nurture tracker. So I have taken this nurture tracker and the journal prompts that accompany it straight out of my recent planner, planning by the moon. I published that at the end of last year and I've taken this nurture tracker out of there um, as a free PDF for you to download that you can print out and put into your own planner or journal so that you can start to uncover how 
how you nurture yourself. Do you know what that looks like? There's some really great journal prompts that are going to help you dig in and answer those questions. And then you've got the tracker as well, where you can actually go through and you can track your nurture and your nourishment every single day of the month. And it can be a really wonderful visual at the end of the month to look back on and say, okay, you know what? This was a really great month. What was going on? Because I am a big advocate for self-auditing and understanding what's working for us and what isn't, because I think that's the only way we're able to continue growing as humans and within our businesses. So the Nurture Tracker, to me, is a middle finger to hustle culture. It is the way in which we can slow down and we can embrace that side of us. So That Nurture Tracker will be available in the show notes. The link will be there so you can go and grab it. It is completely free and you can decide how often you want to hear from me via email. You can sign up and you can either choose to hear from me once or twice a week. And next week's episode, I am going to be back with another episode about slow business. And I'm so looking forward to that. So I will speak to you then. Until next time, Outlaws. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. If you see yourself as an entrepreneurial outlaw and enjoyed this episode, would you do me a small favor? It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. By leaving a review, you are helping me to grow our outlaw community and together we can show other entrepreneurs that breaking the rules can actually be good for business. Don't forget, you can find the show notes for today's episode along with any of the links that I mentioned on my website at melanienights.com forward slash podcast. And if we're not already virtual besties, you can come and hang out with me on Instagram. I am the one with the country music playing, the lukewarm coffee in my hand, and I'm dishing the dough on how we can make entrepreneurship more inclusive and transparent. Plus, I'll probably send you some fun gifts. So until next time, outlaws. Outlaws.